Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Hi folks, Dr. History here with another story from the Old West. I'm going to tell you about a guy that uh, his name is Ad Topperween. Now, you may have never heard of this guy, but so here's his story. Probably the greatest marksman of all time. He died March 4th. 1962, at the age of 92. Now, if ever a human was born to be a shooting champion, Ad was that man. Born in Texas in 1869, uh, his long life spanned the decades from the frontier of the Old West to the Space Age. His father, one of the best-known gunsmiths in Texas. Well, the bro- but the boy grew up with the smells of gunstock wood. He took the firearms as easily and naturally as today's kids take the hot rods or whatever. Anyway, he spoke of his father carrying him as a five-year-old to a duck marsh a mile from home. He taught his son to shoot ducks on the wing with a twenty-two rifle. In 1882, young Ad was already the best boy marksman in Texas, if not the entire country. Still, he didn't really uh, have any thoughts of becoming a professional. In fact, he says, my first job was in a uh, crockery shop, later on as a cartoonist with the San Antonio Daily Express. Well, young Ad and his cousin Rudolph, an expert hunter, were in San Antonio one day in 1887 to see the exhibition of a guy named Doc Carver. They called him the Shooting Dentist, who in 1886 had racked up a score of 59,340 hits out of 60,000 shots at a target that was thrown in the air. Now, Ad decided then and there that he would be a professional marksman, good enough to beat Carver's record. Well, Cat Bartlett came along in 1889 to top Carver with 59,680 hits out of 60,000 shots. And he became kind of the hero. So uh, the Texans' long-range objective was to overcome uh, that championship. So Ad quit his newspaper job and headed for New York with a guy named George Walker, who was a San Antonio theater manager to make the big-time vaudeville circuit as a, quote, sharpshooter. Well, here's what he says. Now, I'm going to quote a lot of what he actually says. I like this story because it's his own words. So here's what Ad said. George had booked me into this theater for a few shows and figured I was the original dead-eyed dick. Uh, So he says, we hit New York with less than 100 bucks between us uh, to find that sharpshooters were a dime a dozen, with the booking agents. In fact, sharpshooters, or trick shooters as they were then known, rated below banjo players and only a little above the trained dog axe. He says, I was plumb discouraged. But he says, old George was stubborn. He, was, uh, he convinced me I could still make it if somehow we could figure out a chance for me to show what I could do with the rifle. So, he says, we'll take one of them booking agents to Coney Island and show him what a Texas crack shot can do. Well, somehow George persuaded uh, the booking agent named Keith uh, to go with us to Coney Island on a Saturday afternoon. By then, we were down to our last few dollars. So I knew I had to make good on George's bragging or go back to San Antonio uh, and admit that we were beaten. Well... 
This sounds like I was blowing my own horn long and loud, but I think it's a fair to say that the Coney Island pitchmen remembered that Saturday afternoon for a good long time. He said, we breezed through those gaudy shooting galleries like a Texas tornado, with me busting every clay pipe, duck, and glass ball. I laid my sights on. We soon had a crowd uh, trailing with us, but the folks didn't have long to enjoy the show. I'd shot my way about halfway through the arcade area when we ran into a shooting gallery closed tight. Every other operator farther down the line was closed too, scared out by the reports of the Texas wizard coming his way. Well, I'd worked with uh, this guy named Keith, the vaudeville circuit, for three years with his fancy shooting act, uh, winding up as a highly successful uh, engagement by playing the, the legendary Palace Theater in New York for three weeks. In 1892, he signed with the Oren Brothers Circus. And he says, quote, I traveled with the circus for eight years. Uh, she says, I saw all the top-rated sharpshooters of the period and was pretty sure I could handle any of them in a max shoot. And somebody said, well, how about uh, Buffalo Bill Cody? Well, there was a trick to that. He said old Bill's cartridge were loaded with <clears throat> loaded with half loads of powder, 20 grains, and one quarter of an ounce of fine chilled shot. So, folks, what that means is that Cody was a good shot, you know, for all that phony business. But uh, he, uh, because of the shells he used, he didn't have to be quite as accurate, okay? But he was a good shot, no doubt. Anyway, at various times during his 50-year employment as an exhibition shooter with Winchester, uh, Ad held 14 World Shooting Championships with rifle and pistol. He signed with Winchester in 1901. He worked the exhibition route alone until 1902. In that year, he met and married 18-year-old Elizabeth Servity, a worker in the Winchester plant. Now, Elizabeth had never fired a gun before, uh, before she got married, but Ad quickly taught her uh, how, uh, marksmanship, how to shoot a gun. Within three weeks, she was part of his act. She was shooting one-inch pieces of chalk from between his fingers. Now, that's a trusting husband, right? She was shooting empty shells off his fingers and other pretty amazing feats of skill. And Ad was, he was pretty proud of his wife. And actually, uh, she had a nickname called Plinky. And that was his pet name for his wife because she could sh- uh, shoot smoke rings around Annie Oakley or any other woman marksman uh, who ever lived. So she was pretty amazing. So now, it's the, their last name was Topperwin. So the famous Topperwins, uh, they traveled and they shot together for 43 years until Plinky died in 1945. Now, seeing the Topperwinds shooting uh, exhibition is like going to a circus. It's a rapid succession of thrills and exciting feats, uh, each more unbelievable than one before, and presented to you by this marvelous pair of shooters with rifle, pistol, and shotgun. So these gun wizards put on a program full of variety from the opening gun until the last shot is fired. They uh, would shoot at all kinds of objects from every imaginable position with rifle, pistol, and shotgun. 
clay pigeons, wooden blocks, balls, metal discs, marbles. Now, marbles, not very big, folks. Apples, oranges, hen's eggs, and all were shattered with different types of guns, sometimes two, three, four, and even five targets are in the air at the same time, only to be broken before they hit the ground. Now, he says, quote, it has always been a debatable question as to which of the topper ones is the better shot, Mr. or Mrs. While both do the most respectable shooting stunts, each has a few tough ones, which the other one hesitates to try. Well, Plinky was the first woman in the United States to qualify as a national marksman with the military rifle. She was the first woman in the world to break 100 straight targets at trap shooting with a shotgun, and she repeated that record 192 times. She broke 200 straight or better 14 times, and her longest straight run was 367 without missing. That's amazing. Folks, I've, I've shot at targets, uh, clay pigeons, and I can guarantee I wouldn't even hold a candle these folks. Now, at aerial targets with the rifle, she scored 1,460 without a miss on a two-and-three-quarter inch wood block. Her best pistol record was 100 consecutive shots fired into a five-inch diameter spot at 25 yards. Now, add her husband, uh, his first official record was made for Winchester at the World's Fair in St. Louis in 1904. He smashed the 3,507 two-and-a-quarter-inch aerial targets without a miss. Did you get that? 3,507 without a miss. Now, in 1906, Ad fired at 20,000 hand-thrown, two-and-a-quarter-inch wood blocks. He only missed 10 out of 20,000. So, shooting 19,990 hits, that's amazing. Now, the right time and place for the greatest shooting expedition of all, exhibition of all time arrived at 9 o'clock in the morning of December 13, 1907, in San Antonio, Texas. Now... By his own account, and I'm going to just read what he said. He said, quote, I hired three young husky boys to toss the targets and gave them several days of preliminary practice so they would have their throwing under perfect control for uniform height and speed. I also engaged a scorekeeper, a judge, and a referee to keep an accurate account of each shot. Together with this, the newspapers played up the story, and I also sent out a lot of printed invitations to rifle and gun clubs and sportsmen in the vicinity. I did everything I could to make this an official event. I will admit that when I saw this big pile of blocks, which been, had been delivered to the fairgrounds, I had some misgivings. Would I be able to go through with this? And I did not sleep very well that night. Well, Ad continues with the story. It was at 9 o'clock in the morning that I fired my first shot, and I continued to shoot until 12 o'clock noon, when we stopped for an hour for lunch and a little rest for my target throwers. We resumed the shooting, shooting again at 1 o'clock sharp and continued shooting until 5 o'clock that afternoon. I followed this schedule and program for the next 10 days, from December 13th to December 22nd, a total of 68 and a half hours. I did not shoot over seven hours a day on any day, with the exception of the last day 
when I only shot for five and a half hours. I had shot up every cartridge I had and all that I could purchase in San Antonio. During these 10 days shooting, I shot a total of 72,500 targets. I missed four out of the first 50,000 and nine out of the total of 72,500. Folks, let me say that again. 72,500 targets, and he only missed nine. So anyway, he goes on with the story. He says, on the 20th, I had my worst day when I missed four targets. The weather during the entire 10 days was very bad, cloudy and chilly, with three days of almost continuous drizzle, which did not help matters much. One of the boys offered me his raincoat, but I was afraid that it would hamper my shooting, so I took my medicine while the spectators stood about under umbrellas and nearby shelters. Well, he said, my equipment during that shoot consisted of three model OT-3 Winchester 22 automatic rifles and Winchester ammunition. These rifles held 10 cartridges in the magazine. In order to save time in loading, we used loading tubes which held 10 cartridges, and all I had to do was open the magazine and reload the rifle with 10 cartridges. This operation only took up five or six seconds. I loaded the guns myself and changed guns every 500 shots. Well, he says, uh, this worked great. Uh, the, the guns fa- uh, worked fine. But he said, we had three men to pick up the targets, changing every 500 shots. And uh, this was from about a 30 to 35 feet. He says, I was standing and as rapidly as, as fast as I could. And he said, although these young men had a pretty tiresome job, there was no complaint. They cooperated, and they became very accurate at throwing every target. He said, I'd given orders that if any time there was a target shot which seemed doubtful to the audience, the referee was to pick it up, check it for bullet marks, and tossed it to someone in the audience who would announce that, yeah, it was okay. He said, I roped off the space for the audience to stand and had given strict orders not to have anyone uh, through the ropes to speak to me. He said, I did not want any interference, did not feel like talking, and all of my attention was centered on the job that was before me. In order to do this job well, I had to concentrate on each and every shot. He said, the concentration kind of plays havoc with your subconscious mind to such an extent that all you know and see is the thing that you are about to do. He says, I seem to be in the world all by myself. And the only things I saw or seemed to see was that block in the air and the fellow who was throwing it. I never knew how many people were out to see me until I finished shooting at the end of the day and I had no desire to speak to anyone. Again, folks, an amazing feat. He continues, he says, as I ran, uh, as I ran way ahead of my supposed schedule for the first few days, we were running short of blocks toward the end and the boys selected the blocks that were the not mutilated too much for the rest of the score. Some of these blocks toward the end were rather small but I was lucky, and I don't think I missed any on that account. The misses that I made were mostly because my arm was so tired and the gun seemed so heavy that I just couldn't get it into place. Well, he continues, he says, I went through this shoot the first few days with much discomfort. Of course, I was tired, but I expected that. However, it was a fact that all during the 10 days, I had very little sleep. 
These blocks were so impressed on my memory that nights were simply nightmares, and for some time afterward, I still dreamed about shooting blocks. From the fourth day on until the end, I was in constant physical misery. My arms and shoulders ached, the muscles of my neck pained me, and I felt like somebody had pounded me all over the body. To add to this, the fingers and the wrist of my right hand cramped and caused me a great deal of pain. This was caused mostly because I have a habit of gripping my gun very tightly with my right hand and doing so continuously, and this caused the muscles of my fingers on my wrist to, to, to cramp. Well, folks, it was necessary for me to have a rub down with a hot bath every night and another one in the morning to get myself ready. And he said, the cloudy weather continued during the entire nine days together uh, with the misting rain. And although it was very uncomfortable, I feel that it was to my advantage because I could always shoot better on a sunless day uh, when the sun wasn't shining brightly. And he says, as before stated, we had one hour for lunch every day and uh, we ate very little. uh, But uh, he says, I needed all the pep and energy that I could get. And he says, while I was, of course, glad when I got through with the big job, I could have liked very much to have been able to continue a little longer in order to be able to shoot uh, at 75,000 targets. I was still shooting good toward the last. And although the day was drawn to an end, I believe that I could have accomplished it with maybe a couple of more misses. I was pretty tired and the day was getting dark, so I had to I had to let well enough alone. So inasmuch, he says, I did shoot, but five and a half hours on the 10th day and last day, and on account of lack of ammunition, he says, I consumed only a total of 68 and a half hours for the entire shoot, which gave me an average of little more than a thousand shots per hour. So again, folks, <laughs> the statistics, 72,500, and he only missed nine now, I guess I'm going to just step out here and say uh, he had to be the most amazing and the best sharpshooter that has ever lived. So, folks, that's the uh, story of Ed and Ad and his wife, Plinky, and their story in the world of sharpshooting. Have a good day, folks. If you have any comments, please go to my webpage, dr-hister.com, and send me a comment. I haven't heard of anybody, haven't heard anybody for a while, so uh, if you have any suggestions, corrections, or whatever, uh, I'm always open for that. So you have a good day, folks. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit american-giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.